Hi everyone, it's Carter. A quick disclaimer before the episode. Riley and I are teachers in the real world. That's not made up for the show. But one thing we do make up are students. Riley and I take our roles as public community members seriously and would never use the real names or personal experiences of students in our classes, past or present. As such, any student names you hear us say are made up on the spot, and stories about our classes are highly editorialized for entertainment. Also, we like to keep our show clean of inappropriate language or content, but we feel that the stories themselves should be read without censorship of language. A content warning will be in the show's description in case we need one. That's it. Enjoy the Fable Fellas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fable Fellas, fairy tales told unfairly. I'm Riley. And I'm Carter. And it's summer vacation, baby! Summertime in the city. Summertime, it's so pretty. Carter, you know what my favorite part about summer is? I uh, not working? Well, okay, do you know what my two favorite parts about summer are? No, children! <laughs> Okay, do you know what my three favorite parts about summer are? Boat drinks? My three favorite parts of summer are no children, no working, and also for that first week when summer finally hits, you don't need to be productive. You don't even need to be good at doing like your usual take care of yourself sort of things. You can just be unapologetically insane and gremlin-like for that first week as your whole body detoxes and gets ready for summer. Let me tell you what I did yesterday. Uh, Please Jesse, do. Jesse was out, and I spent all night playing a game called Chia, which Chia. is all yeah. It's this open world video game that based ba- it's it's ridiculous to say because they plaster this all over the screen, but it's based on New Caledonian culture. But oh, you yeah. can really tell it's a lovely game, lots of fun. But man, alive did I just do that. Um, Whilst whilst just enjoying all of the things in my cupboards and uh, drinks cabinets, just letting <laughs> just really letting myself sink into the couch for for hours on end, and that was after I've I'd, I'd also finished the Ratchet and Clank game. So I've been I've been really gremlining out, and How about you deserve you? it. Uh, Morgan had another uh, week in the school year because our two district schedules have just not synced up all year. So right. I did a whole lot of that in the past week. Just a bunch of gremlin stuff mm-hmm. as much as I could get my hands on. But I also got a, uh, how to phrase, Ugh, sorry, it's still the morning for me. Uh, I also was able to make a pretty good time on an exercise routine that I have not been able to commit to all year. So I was both gremlin and not gremlin at the same time. An exercise routine? What are you uh, working on? Uh, Basically just... So on the treadmill, apparently you are able to make more gains by doing more... Um, incline things so i basically set the incline as high as it can go i set the speed at a pretty constant thing i do that for half an hour or so apparently if you fit that in about five times a week that is supposed to be better for maintaining like uh your endurance than any other of those really fancy high stress uh exercise routines which is good because that's definitely not what i had energy for with the school year the way it was so you're walking up basically uphill or are you running i'm walking uphill both ways (laughs) so half an hour of walking up an inclined 
maximally maximally inclined treadmill. Exactly. That sounds like like at the uh, it sounds like you'd start to feel the burn after a while. That's a good workout. Yeah, maybe I should put on some ankle weights like Brock Lee and Naruto. <laughs> what? So when you say that it's you, you only get a week to be a gremlin, what projects are you foreseeing this summer that you're gonna have that you're gonna have to dedicate yourself to so you don't feel like you just sat around like a lump for ten wait- straight weeks? Well, aside from like the basic cleanup around the apartment, I also want to make sure that I do more writing. Because Mm. the last time that I was super consistent and wrote on a regular basis, I want to say it was either a time in college or it might have been when I was writing The Z Hunter over a decade ago. And I hate that. So definitely a bunch of projects I want to work on. And that is something I want to uh, invest my time in more. I hear you. The other day, uh, Jesse and I were at one of our favorite uh, restaurants and I was pulling up pulling up some writing on my phone and I ended up just kind of being absorbed by my old Google Drive archives <laughs> of poetry I wrote in college and I was like, well, I actually don't hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that that was the last time that I really sat down and wrote anything that wasn't related to Dungeons and Dragons. Well, maybe once I finish reading The Z Hunter, you can pull up some of your archive. Speaking of... Speaking of, your Speaking brother Cassidy of, will be furious if we skip another week of reading. We got to go. <laughs> let's do two pages. Let's let's get let's get this in. All right. Get it in the record. So, last time we read, the gang was up on the roof, a whole horde of zombies chasing them up from below. A helicopter swooped down for a second they thought it was Musa coming in with the assist. Turns out it was not and also now uh, what was his name? Skinnered Skulls, the angry gang leader, is hanging off the side of the building, and the man in the panda mask has made a mysterious appearance up on the roof. And no one knows how he got there, because he should have been uh, eaten up by that crowd of zombies out below. Oh my gosh. Is he half zombie? Was his mom a zombie and he's got zombie blood? <laughs> Does he have, he had a mombie? You again, Riley snarled. I was hoping you got torn apart by your little friends back there. Rude. I'm the only reason you haven't been devoured by my little friends already, the panda man said with some false indignancy. And just... Indignancy? False. No, false indignancy. (laughs) In... Wait, so indignancy would be like the opposite of dignancy. Basically like he's... Like he sounds insulted, but it's like a fake insulted, like he's not taking anyone seriously here. In, so, so indignancy is like indignant, right? Yes. So can you be dignant? <laughs> I've never heard... Because in is a prefix, right? Meaning not? Or hey, in... Or hey, inner? Car- hey, Carter, do you know what my favorite song from Pitch Perfect was? <laughs> what was your favorite song from Pitch Perfect? Uh, I like the way you work it. No dignancy. I gotta bag it up. Oh. Oh. There's... <laughs> False indignancy is just dignancy. Anyway, says, I'm the only reason you haven't been devoured by the zombies. And how, and just how do you figure that? Kyle said, curiously. I'm half zombie. I ordered them to hold back until I take my leave, he explained, <gasps> gesturing towards Lord. the helicopter. That's a load of crap, Riley shouted. Zombies are mindless killing machines. No one gives them orders. Oh no? The panda man cocked his head to the side. And why else would a gang leader pay such an exorbitant amount of money for two truckloads of zombies in a city completely overrun with them? 
Oh, hey, I didn't ignore that. Cool. Uh, yeah, that was an outstanding question from last time. <laughs> Riley had no answer to that. Exactly. The expressionless face nodded in response. Though it wouldn't have done him much good, they only respond to me. And rather than open the door to yell more disbelief, allow me to demonstrate. Oh, sorry. And rather than open the floor to yet more disbelief, he said. <clears throat> the panda man stepped to the side, revealing behind him the a decayed... magic conch shell <laughs> from the Game of Thrones dragon conch. Can I finish? <laughs> <laughs> the panda man stepped to the side, revealing behind him the decayed, swaying remains of a pair of zombies, a young man and a woman. A chill ran down Riley's spine the entire time they were right there and they hadn't made a sound, much less attacked any of them. The panda man raised a hand, holding up a single finger. With a swish and a flick like some macabre conductor, he pointed behind the zombies to the edge of the roof. The putrid pair swiveled lazily around and without any fanfare, shuffled forward until they pitched over the edge of the roof, disappearing from sight. Ta-da! The panda men bowed wow. and chuckled. Riley was really starting to hate that chuckle. Then, you always meant to kill skulls here tonight, Kyle murmured, clearly shaken by what he had just witnessed. Indeed, the panda man responded as he straightened up from his dramatic bow. Then why the guards? Why the trucks? Why any of this if you could have just led a horde right to his base? To prove a point the panda man responded as he began to walk towards the platform closest to the helicopter. I said it before, we are from two different worlds. Yours is on its way out, mine is on its way in. And all this posturing in the face of the end is an act of denial. He paused right at the edge, staring down into the fearful eyes of Skinnered skulls. You wanted to be back on time, it was acceptance of your fate. I said you would get what you deserve tonight, did I not? You're giving you your just dead zerts. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. Please, Skull sobbed, the hardcore criminal facade fading away into nothing. Please don't. Goodbye, Mr. Skulls. With absolutely no emotion, the man in the panda mask waved his hand, and the helicopter sunk a few inches before drifting slowly, daintily toward the platform. There's a scream a large spray of blood, and the shearing of chopper blades against the railing as the mutilated ah. body disappeared from sight. That's a dangerous way to get rid of somebody, but okay. Dear Lord, yeah, especially when you can control zombies. Yeah. What about that young man and the woman? Well, they're already... Hey, eat them. They're, the, uh, they're halfway down the building. I thought it would have been a good demonstration of his powers if he had been like, now eat skulls. Yeah. <laughs> now pitch yourself over the building. That putrid pair, by the way, good alliteration. Yeah, thanks. I'm pretty Goodness, sure I the... Picked, I noticed it. <laughs> I think that when I was writing this, I was just building up... Man, I, I love writing villains. I love writing devious little dudes. It's so flippin' cool when a, when a helicopter blade chops up a guy. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, because they're so fast, those blades. Oh, notice me, Robert Rodriguez. I bet, I bet it would really get a guy good. The chopper blades went right on through him. I bet it would really get a putrid pair going. Get a putrid pair. Get really zombies. That's played. So there's more? That's not the, that's not the end? No, they still have to get out of the building. Oh, that's true. You got... Wow. There's still a lot going on. So is Riley, the character, a Z hunter? Or a Z fighter? Yeah. Is that what they call themselves? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. 
I think it's interesting that they all use the word zombies, but the story is called the Z. Nobody goes like, look, it's a couple of Zs, <laughs> right? I think what I was thinking about is the way I wanted to write it is I wanted to basically leave my creative writing teacher guessing about what the direction the story is going in until the zombies actually showed up in the truck. But that being uh. said, there aren't other scary things that begin with Z, so... So you thought that you were gonna drop off a draft called the Z Hunter, and you were like, he'll have no idea what Z's supposed to mean until he gets to the zombies. I was young. I didn't know any better. <laughs> oh, man. You know, this is, it's, it's a lot like, you know, going like, and, and, and but it will all have been a dream. I'm so clever. No, don't say that about me. <laughs> That's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> My teacher's never read anything like that before. <laughs> what if I start this essay with the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary definition no, of the topic I'm researching? God. You can't say these things to me. Hey, pick a number no. between... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go ahead and pick a number between 1 and 344. Wow, okay. We're just really casting our dice into the wind on this episode, huh? Correct. I'm going to say 222. 222. Let's see if we've read this one. Okay, that is the very end. Oh. Should we follow up uh, Rapunzel with Cinderella? Absolutely. Okay, this might be a two-part. This one's pretty long. But you chose it. I did. So we, so we must, we must, uh, we must bow to the fates. <clears throat> so have you, have you ever heard of Cinderella? Vaguely. What? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why she called Cinderella? Uh, yeah, because she spends a lot of time cleaning up the uh, wicked stepmother's fireplace. Like, uh, you got cinders on you. We're gonna call you Cinderella. <laughs> got her yeah lit her up like so many cinders <laughs> okay cinderella by charles perrault Ooh. illustrated by george cruikshank what a name what a name there was there was <laughs> no way <laughs> you won't you're not, you're not gonna believe this oh i'm on the edge of my seat there was once an honest gentleman who took for his second wife a lady. His first wife, a pine cone, didn't work out so well. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Carter. Shut up. <laughs> Stop. No. <laughs> Carter, you are going to send me a screenshot right now on the Discord call before I even begin to believe you. Everybody, you want, stop. you want me to try that again with a different joke? <laughs> no, I want, I want proof. There was once an honest gentleman who took for his second wife a lady instead of an iguana, his first wife, which didn't work out. All right, now you're just telling tales out of school. You gotta send me a screenshot now. I refuse to let the podcast keep going. <laughs> I mean, no, it doesn't say pineconia, obviously. <laughs> Man, it's on your way. It's on its way. For those playing along at home, you're witnessing in action Carter taking advantage of the fact that I trust him as a friend. This actually, the book, the book lights up this second wife right away. Here we go. 
There was once an honest gentleman who took for his second wife a lady, the proudest and most disagreeable in the whole country. I believe that. She had two daughters, exactly like herself, in all things. He also had one little girl, who resembled her dead mother, the best woman in all the world. Kind of burying the lead there, but okay. Sounded like she came first, right? Right? Scarcely had the second marriage taken place than the stepmother became jealous of the good qualities of the little girl who was so a great a contrast to her own two daughters. For she had two eyes, and her daughters had three eyes and one eye. And one eye. Oh my gosh, it's the same. Ah, they rhyme, these (laughs) stories. She gave her all the menial occupations of the house, compelled her to wash the floors and staircases, to dust the bedrooms and clean the grates. And while her sisters occupied carpeted chambers hung with mirrors where they could see themselves from head to foot, this poor little damsel was sent to sleep in an attic on an old straw mattress with only one chair and not a looking glass in the room. That's bad. Also, something about about it being described as all the menial occupations of the house, that feels so very specific and clinical that it seems way out of place for this story. Mm Mm-hmm. She had to sweep she had to sweep the carpets, vacuum the floors, get all the shopping carts out of the parking <laughs> lot. <laughs> she suffered all in silence, not daring to complain to her father, who was entirely ruled by his new wife. Women, am I right? This, <laughs> these, these fairy tales ain't good for it. They aren't it's Cinderella, an eminent feminist text. <laughs> it's been a while since we've come across a story that <laughs> It was just clearly written in a time where not a single thought was put into how messed up the gender roles are. Not even a little. When her daily work was done, she used to sit down in the chimney corner among the ashes (laughs) from which the two two sisters gave her the nickname of Cinderella. So she kind of gave herself the nickname. Yeah, she didn't have anywhere else to go, so she sat in the chimney. She just sat in in the cinders all the time. (laughs) Yeah, they should... She couldn't sit in her one-bedroom chair. They should call this story Old Sits and Cinders. <laughs> but Sits and Cinders, however shabbily clad, was handsomer than they were with all their fine clothes. Even with a layer of smoke and dust on everything she owned. Exactly. It happened that the king's son gave a series of balls, to which were invited all the rank and fashion of the city. And among the rest, the two elder sisters. Oh, and it... Ha! <laughs> Burn. Wow. <laughs> I didn't quite understand that sentence. Oh, yeah, it took me a second, but that is brutal. (laughs) To which were invited all the rank and fashion of the city, and among the rest, the two elder sisters. Oh, man, this (laughs) this narrator's going off. Light him up, Charles. (laughs) They were very proud and happy, and occupied their whole time in deciding what they should wear. A source of new trouble to Cinderella, whose duty it was to get up their fine linen and laces, and who never could please them, however much she tried. They talked of nothing. But their clothes. I, said the elder, shall wear my velvet gown and my trimmings of English lace. Velvet and lace? And I... It's after Labor Day. <laughs> velvet and lace after Labor Day? Not the king's post-Labor Day ball. <laughs> These two you really won't. are the worst in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. Committing... Um, fashion faux Tim Gunn would be horrified. It's <laughs> the only fashion personality I know. Is he really? And I! Is Tim Gunn the only fat? Is that. Yeah. Oh, wait. I can't. Wait! Nope. Tan France from Queer Eye. All right. Good job. Second That's one. That's two more than I could name. 
<laughs> and I, said the younger, will have but my ordinary silk petticoat, but I shall adorn it with an upper skirt, a flowered brocade, and I shall put on my diamond tiara, which is a great deal finer than anything of yours. Wow, gaudy. <laughs> Even knowing nothing. No, no wonder this story's so long. It's talking about, they do really just talk about clothes a lot. I'm not. I'm going to level with you. That joke about velvet and lace after Labor Day, I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know jack about fashion, but I can tell you that that getup she just described would be tacky as all get out. You're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day, I believe, is the the is the phrase, which has always concerned me as a kid because my very first thought every, every time I hear don't wear white after Labor Day is inevitably, but it's always after Labor Day. Unless it's before Labor Day. All time is before is after Labor Day. <laughs> I feel I know it's I've weird. never bothered to look into this. Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it how long do you have to wait? What what counts as after Labor Day? I don't know, but I have a few... It's weird. I don't think you ever told me this story before, but I feel in my heart of hearts that I knew this to be true about you beforehand. That I've had the... That I have these, these feelings and thoughts? That these worries about someone calling you out about wearing white after Labor Day and it being in the middle of uh, March or something? That would be probably one of the... I mean, that would just be one of the... <laughs> lamest jokes anyone could <laughs> anytime you see someone wearing white be like I'm not supposed to do that after Labor Day and they'll be like it's August and be like yeah yeah. when was, la when was Labor Day <laughs> exactly oh man we have just we've just given ourselves the, the permission to be insufferable when anyone we know wears white nobody's talking about this the pedantry of, like, why can't they just say, why can't the rule be you're not supposed to wear white the day after Labor Day? But nobody says it like that. Everybody says you can't wear white after Labor Day. What does that mean? What does it mean? What does that mean? Explain yourself. Here the elder sister grew angry, and the dispute began to run so high that Cinderella, who was known to have excellent taste... Your transition made it sound like they're fighting over what it means to wear white after Labor Day. I know. <laughs> I, I, and I had pulled it off flawlessly. <laughs> Cinderella was apparently known to have excellent taste, but has kept her mouth shut this whole time, so who, who knows how that's true. She was called upon to decide between them. She gave them the best advice she could and gently and submissively offered to dress them herself, and especially to arrange their hair, an accomplishment in which she excelled many a noted coiffeur. Coiffeur? Coiffeur? She excelled many a noted, a noted coiffer. I see the word in my mind, and I just realized I've never said it out loud, so Coiffure. your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> Great. Well, she's good at quaffing here. <laughs> the important <laughs> evening came. Uh, the post-Labor Day ball arrived. You want to get a coffee? Ex <laughs> get, get your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> This is my favorite no, new I'm not, I'm not quick enough to say things right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was trying to think of some terrible thing. Like, yeah. This isn't coffee. This is coffee. It's stupid. That's, it's not anything. I like it. I like this new D&D &D NPC we've created, the Coffee Goblin. Coffee Goblin will co <laughs> um, Come get your breadsticks. Wait, hold on. Here it is. If you're a barbarista, oh. then you coif while you make coffee. 
Thank you so much for listening. To <laughs> I was about to do that. <laughs> uh, We're sorry. You can't win them all. As, as we sunset this podcast, <laughs> we like to think back on all the good highlights. As we go on, <laughs> we remember. <sighs> the important evening came, the post-Labor Day ball, and she exercised all her skill to adorn the two young ladies. While she was combing out the elder's hair, this ill-natured girl said sharply, Cinderella, do you not wish you were going to the ball? Rude. Ah, uh, madam. They obliged her always to say, Madam, you are only mocking me. It is not my fortune to have any such pleasure. You are right. People would only laugh to see a little cinder wench at a ball. (laughs) You're right. Wow. She got you good, Cinderella. (laughs) Any Any other than Cinderella would have dressed the hair all awry, but she was good and dressed it perfectly, even and smooth and as prettily as she could. That's very big of her. That was big of her. She did not I, need I, to be that big. I would any, any treatment like that greenlights the most petty behavior possible. I believe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you could read the sentence in either way. Any other than Cinderella would have dressed her hair all awry, either because the hair is so difficult, or because most people would be like, "Oh yeah, well, <laughs> mess up all their fuss it up." Enjoy having a whole honey pot in your hair, upside down. Like that. The sisters had scarcely eaten for two days and had broken a dozen staylaces a day well, in trying to healthy. make themselves slender. Yeah, I know, right? But tonight, they broke a dozen more and lost their tempers over and over again before they had completed their toilet. Toilette? Toilet. No comment. It's an old-fashioned, it's an old-fashioned word, yeah. toilet. Just means your makeup and everything. I'm sorry. Everything I'm... that you would do in front of a makeup table. Yeah. I'm sorry, Carter. I'm still stuck on leading off with... Don't you wish you would go to the ball? I'm like, you know I'm not going to the ball. You're right. That's right. You aren't. Imagine if <laughs> imagine if you and I went to have like brunch at a nice restaurant and I had like a really nice milkshake and I said, <laughs> Carter, don't you want a milkshake? You said, Well, you know I'm lactose intolerant. And I raised a glass to you, like tilted and said, You're right, you are lactose intolerant, and then just took an obnoxious slurp on the thing. <laughs> Um, like, I wouldn't what? say I'm lactose intolerant. I would say, you are only mocking me. It is not my fortune to have any such pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Which fits in both scenarios. <laughs> just, your right at the end of it is just the most brutal, but also the right. most lazy thing. You're correct. I brought this thing up to make fun of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't get exactly. over it. It's stuck on my brain. It's, it's so good because people always say, like, you know, if somebody's bullying, this is not the kind of bully that you can kind of, like, stop and walk away from. They'd be like, great, you're walking away because you agree. You are a loser. <laughs> I win. Like, I am a loser. And you're like, that's what I said. <laughs> you loser. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. When at last the happy moment arrived, Cinderella followed them to the coach, and it whirled them away. She sat down by the kitchen fire and cried. Immediately, her godmother, who was a fairy, appeared beside her. Oh. <laughs> With zero fanfare, apparently. This this is the Disneyfication of things <laughs> that, like, I was expecting. You know, the, the, the wind picked up. The curtains began to flood, uh, flutter. All of the tea and crockery started to cl- clatter and clang. And then in a poof of magic smoke, there stood... A, um, an older-looking woman with fairy wings and beautiful long dresses. You're like, 
Immediately, her godmother, who was a fairy, okay, now appeared beside her. I don't think the Disneyfication of things is wrong because that <laughs> one you just described invokes a thing of whimsy and otherworldliness, like oh, what's going to happen? Meanwhile, this one there's just like a pop noise, and then in one frame there's no yeah. fairy godmother, and the next one there is a fairy godmother. Just eh. it also implies that she's no like there's no yeah like where have you been? Yeah, like. Is she always in? Has she always been in Cinderella's life? This makes it seem so casual. Like naturally, after every ball, her fairy godmother appears, who is a fairy. Yeah, she was busy setting up the party. Didn't have time to check in on poor Cinderella's. <laughs> what? Did I just say Cinderella? <laughs> you did. I was just gonna go right right on by. Well, that's a that's a kindness you almost paid me, Carter. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you crying for, my little maid? I wish. I wish. More her than anything. Stopped her. More than life. <laughs> I wish to go you to the festival. The festival? the festival? You wish to go to the ball, isn't it so? Cinderella nodded. Well then, be a good girl and you shall go. First, I've been so good. The... What do you mean? I've been the great. Uh, did you see how she? See how I did her hair after she <laughs> was a. T- was a t- was... She was so mean. She was so she mean, was and so she said, mean. "You're right." And then I continued to do her hair. I didn't put a beehive in hair. it. I did her hair. Any other than I would have dressed her hair all awry, but I was good and dressed it perfectly even and smooth and as prettily as I could. How can you say that I haven't been good? Also, at this I haven't po- been good. At this point, it hasn't specified that Cinderella's dad has passed away. And if that's not the case, then how do you explain her stepmother and her stepsisters being so cruel and like not getting called out on it? Ah, well, you're forgetting the line um, that was, let's see. She suffered all in silence, not daring to complain to her father, who was entirely ruled by his new wife. Okay, but was he also blind? Was he also at work in the mines every day? How do you justify him not catching wind to any of this? How is there not a scene where he walks in on his stepmother and says, Hey, honey, um... Not for nothing, but I just heard one of your daughters hit one of hit my daughter, my dear daughter, with the most brutal and unforgiving diss. And my daughter continued <laughs> to make up her hair wonderfully. And it's like, what's that all about? Because she just what's said she shrugged it off like that happens all the time. What's going on? Here's what it is. Here's what it is, Riley. He knows. He knows. He knows it all. He knows. He knows it all. But you know what? He lacks he knows. a backbone. He's not doing anything about it. He's entirely ruled by his wife. You can't do that. Rule one, don't talk about how much we punch down on your daughter. (laughs) Rule two, don't talk about how much we punch down. (laughs) Rule three, if it's your first first day with my daughters, you have to fight. But that wasn't as smooth as I wished it, I had said it. It's okay, it still made me laugh. No weapons, no shoes. Well, then, be a good girl and you shall go. First, run into the garden and fetch me the largest pumpkin you can find. I wonder where this is going. This really could be post-Labor Day. <laughs> no pumpkins after Labor Day. It's, it's pumpkin season. Almost. They won't be that big at that point, Oh, probably. you know what? Maybe that's it. When the pumpkins are no longer in season, that's when after Labor Day ends. 
that's that's been the missing asterisk this whole time. You cannot wear white after Labor Day until all the pumpkins have rotted. We did it. We saved everybody. This, ma- this makes perfect sense. I'm never going to Google this. And if anybody... Now if... Okay, now... God, I'm peeking Okay, so no, much. here's the I thing, Carter. We know. We know the secret now. But in the interest of going with our super cool inside joke that we came up with about ten minutes ago, we can't tell mm. anybody until they've earned it. This is this is so much better than w- waiting until anybody wears white and then letting them know that it's <laughs> <laughs> any day is after Labor Day. Wait until wait until somebody else says can't wear white after Labor Day, and then we just we nod in agreement, and then we go, mm-hmm, not until all the pumpkins are gone. <laughs> and then they just look over. What, 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 did, you, what did you say? Like, we you said know. not until all the pumpkins are gone. That's all. Then you can wear white again. And then they turn to dust on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> Cinderella did not comprehend what this had to do with her going to the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but everyone in the audience did, because it's Cinderella. <laughs> but being obedient and obliging, she went. Her godmother took the pumpkin, and having scooped out all its inside, struck it with her wand. It became a splendid gilt coach. Wow, that's the only time I've heard them put in the effort to scoop out the pumpkin innards first. Lined with rose-colored satin. Yeah, if she can... Why she gotta scoop it out if she has the (laughs) wand that turns it into a coach? Do you think she could have done that bit, too? Yeah, that feels like an extra step. I want to see a version of Cinderella where she waves her wand, and then Cinderella gets into the coach, and it's just full of gross pumpkin guts. guts. You scrape it out, godmother! (laughs) You scrape the pumpkin out! You're fired! You gotta scrape a pumpkin out. You gotta scrape the pump. Every pumpkin carriage spell, you gotta... Step one, scrape... Well, step one, get the pumpkin. Step two, scrape out the pumpkin. Step two, hit the... Step three, hit the pumpkin with the wand. <laughs> it's not that hard. There's three There's three steps, fairy godmother. You always expect a fairy godmother to just be, like, perfect at everything, right? Mm-hmm. You never... You, you, you can't... You can't picture the fairy godmother who's, like, day one... Right? Like, hey, you're my first goddaughter. Oh, yeah, the beginner. Um, kind of new at this. Actually, I can picture that. There's almost no way that that's not already, like, a Pixar short. It's definitely not a popular idea, though, which makes me think we need to see this story more of the beginning fairy godmother. No, but what it does remind me of is there is a great, uh, there is a great Pixar short about an alien abduction, like the farmhouse abduction, green aliens at this control panel and everything. Only it's like this alien's first day at the job. So he keeps like, tr- he's trying to get the guy out of his bed and out the window and up into the ship. But he keeps running him into everything <laughs> in his house. It's so good. It's such a good Pixar short. You no, know, we should do for our 50th episode. We should try and write the story of the fairy godmother in training. This is a great idea. Just do something. Let's just do that now. Why we got to wait till 50? <laughs> because we're in the middle of a story. No, I mean, not right now, now. But I mean, there's a good summer writing prompt. Oh. We're not going to be at episode 50 until, like, New Year's. Oh, you know what? You know what? I got it. Once we're finished Hmm. reading the Z Fighter, then we each take turns writing a chapter of the Fairy Godmother in Training story. That is a brilliant idea. It will be tonally all over the place, but it's going to be fun. This is is awesome. Stay tuned, everybody. (laughs) Oh, my God. I got to get to a stopping spot. We are already at... Almost 40 minutes. Let's call it when she starts approaching the ball. That's where the Brandy Cinderella musical calls its intermission. Okay. Good good reason as any. <laughs> now fetch the mouse trap out of the pantry, my dear. Cinderella brought it, 
It contains six of the fattest, sleekest mice. Huh. Okay. Now, presumably dead mice, though, if it is if it's the mouse trap. But then maybe they have different kinds of mouse traps. Yeah, back our then, mouse so traps are not very ethical. I'm sure the mouse traps back then were just, oh, you know, they find themselves caught in a big jug with no water in it, and then they upper end the jug in the garden, something like that. No, you wouldn't waste those. That's good eating. Carter Allen. <laughs> what are you, you gonna you gonna just let mice go? They're gonna go yes. right back in the house. Okay, well. Let him go in someone else's backyard. Mm. Put put him in your uh, stepsister's hair when she says a mean thing about you. But Cinderella is good. Yeah, I keep forgetting. <laughs> God, she's such a role model. I wish I could be like Cinderella. <laughs> I could be like Cinderella. <laughs> the fairy lifted up the wire door, and as each mouse ran out, she struck it and changed it into a beautiful black horse. Neat. But what shall I do for your coachman, Cinderella? Cinderella suggested that she had seen a large black rat in the rat trap, and he might do for want of better. You are right. Go and look again for him. He was found, and the fairy made him into the most respectable coachman with the finest whiskers imaginable. Imagine how scary it was for that final rat to see everyone else disappear and then transmogrify before his eyes, and then he's left alone in the trap. <laughs> huh? Uh, why? <laughs> there ought to be a now, rule it also that says, in the Geneva Convention. Well, the Geneva Convention wouldn't be invented for another 80 years, man. Oh. This is why they had to start one. They're like, people are leaving black rats alone <laughs> in rat traps and turning all the rest of the rats into beautiful black stallions. You can't stand for this. And that's not fair. You know? Yep. Can't do it. What kind of... What kind of world are we? <laughs> what a world. What a world. He's a, res- he's a respectable coachman with the finest whiskers imaginable. Now, that one line about the finest whiskers. He's got a big mustache. That's what I think he's that He's got a big uh, Teddy Roosevelt mustache. No- okay, but he's a human. Yeah. Okay, good. Got her on the same page. She's not just a <laughs> coach being driven by a massive rat. She afterwards took six lizards from behind the pumpkin frame. Wow, okay. We're really getting the in lizards. the weeds now. And changed them into six footmen, all in splendid livery, who immediately jumped up behind the carriage as if they had been footmen all their days. Well, Cinderella, now you can go to the ball. I think we should stop there. Impossible. Quick, recommend a book. So, Carter, I'm not sure if you know about this uh, little bit of history, but... I don't. Uh, let me double check. So, uh, in the early, early uh, 20th century, I want to say during, uh, Buchanan's administration, Congress was playing around with the idea of, uh, how to fix a meat shortage in America. And the idea was this, to import hippos and raise them in Louisiana, where there's a bayou. They'd be, uh, meat and they'd basically be kind of replacing cows. Now, obviously that did not happen, right? Not that we know of. But what if that did happen? And that is the premise of American Hippo. This is a Wild West story, but the big difference is they don't ride horses, they ride hippopotami. Uh, It's written by Sarah Gailey. It's a very fun uh, alternate history story. It's basically a Wild West heist, but in an alternate America where... The Mississippi River is now a colossal swamp and about how that kind of affected the American landscape. And additionally, there is really, really good trans representation in this novel and a romance that kind of burgeons out of that. 
that spits in the face of all of the kind of negative tropes that characters who occupy uh, queer roles have seen over the years. So there's no uh, burying your gays. There's no fridging your girlfriends. It's just a very wholesome, very, very engaging cowboy story with a pretty significant twist. That's all. That's all. That all sounds lovely. How do hippos add t- to the story? Why? Why? My question is. My big literary question is. <laughs> I'm taking off my professor glasses and I'm folding them up, and I'm asking. Acro- I'm asking my student across the table. Now, if it had just been horses, what would have been different? Well, for one, there wouldn't be a huge swamp in the middle of the American South. Ah, uh, so this there, this the hippos is the fault. We lost the river because of the hippos? Uh, no, we lost the river to provide for the hippos. And the main uh. character has a hippo that he loves, and her name is Ruby, and she has gold plates on her tusks. Uh. Oh. It's very cool. She has gold plates on her, so she's got golden Yeah, golden to, to make, make sure that her tusks are strong while they do heist things. It's just a, it's gold, a very fun But gold story. is the weakest metal. Well, not the, but it's one of Carter, them. Carter, just have fun with it. Just have fun with say, just have fun with American Hippo by Sarah Gailey. Now available feel like in most her bookstores. Teeth would be stronger. <laughs> well, I'm thanks sorry. everybody for tuning in to our I'm final sorry. episode of Fable Fellows. <laughs> if you enjoyed uh, this journey that we've been on, that ended abruptly. So it sounds so good. It does sound really good. I'll read it after you're done. You were in a mood today. Well, maybe it's the first the first book I was telling you about before we recorded. Oh yeah. You know what? But also, we should lead with uh, that next episode. You explaining this uh, literary gripe you have. <laughs> I, I got I got gripes from time to time, but then again, I haven't written a book yet. Yet. Anyway, if you enjoyed that episode of Fable Fellas, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And if you think that there is any sort of weird fairy tales out there that might not be contained in Carter's compendium, then send it our way if we can legally read it we'd be happy to take a look at it so true so very true but until next time i'm riley and i'm carter and this has been the fable fellas keep it viddy everybody keep it viddy.